Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Oh, there's so many big events and big stories brewing, purportedly. But something that actually is more important, in my view, is an emergency situation in Colorado Springs, Colorado, concerning a little boy, an 11-year-old boy, Gannon Stouch or Stock or some other way. (laughs) But he has been missing since January 27th. Now, Colorado Springs is south of Denver, and its climate is fortunately in this case, perhaps, it is somewhat more semi-arid than other areas of Colorado, north of it. But the question is, is this little boy out in the elements, which I think is dubious, doubtful, or has he been kidnapped and is he still alive? This little boy had gone to a friend's house, or at least he was en route to a friend's house on January 27th, and he never came home, and his mother reported this to the police. Something that, again, I I just have trouble imagining it, really. It does not seem realistic to me, but there has been an alert made by the sheriff's office for people in Lorson Ranch, which is Gannon's neighborhood. Let me quote this. Quote, we would like to remind those who live in or around the Lorson Ranch area to be mindful of and check areas on your property a child may hide to include yards, window wells, outbuildings, and culverts, end quote. I just can't, can't conceive of that. Why this young boy would be hiding outside for a week in the middle of winter, in the coldest part of winter historically, that seems just a trifle less than realistic. But the Sheriff's Department stated, quote, our patrol deputies and major crimes detectives have taken extraordinary steps to search for Gannon. He's very young, it's dark and cold outside, and we want to bring Gannon to safety. Well, hopefully, he is still alive. He is described as being four feet, nine inches tall, weighing about 90 pounds, has brown hair, brown eyes. He's a cute boy. He has a big set of ears, as far as I'm concerned, just, again, to help you identify him. He was wearing a blue jacket with hood, jeans, and tennis shoes when he left home. Hope and pray that this boy is found alive. So, moving on to, and I do recommend you pray for the safe return of this boy. But moving on to the really important matters. Well, things are not going in the impeachment trial the way that the Democrat House managers and the Democrat Party and the Democrat presidential candidates had hoped. But nonetheless, it is going... And it is interesting parallel because things are not going the way that the majority in the Democrat Party, that they expected things would go in the Democrat presidential race for the Democrat Party nomination. But the United States Senate heard today, is hearing today, closing arguments in the impeachment trial of President Donald Trump. Then there will be two days of debate before voting for 
conviction or acquittal. And it is expected to be acquittal at this point in time. That is the expectation. And meanwhile, in the interim, while these two days of debate are going on, there will be the president's State of the Union address that he will make to Congress, and that's on Tuesday. But tonight, Monday night, February 3rd, Democrats, registered Democrats, will be partaking of the Iowa caucuses. Those in Iowa, registered in Iowa, they get to go down in the afternoon and extending into the the early night, the icy cold, in all likelihood, get to take part in this wonderful caucus event. And it is expected at this point in time, it is expected now that socialist, independent, Vermont, U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders will come out on top. That's the expectation in the Democrat caucus here, that independent socialist Bernie Sanders is expected to prevail over former Vice President Joe Biden, former U.S. Senator Joe Biden, dare I say perennial presidential aspirant Joe Biden. Both of these men are older men. They are both Caucasian men, otherwise known as white men, otherwise known as old white men. You know, if they were Republicans or if they were independent, Conservative independence, patriotic independence, dare I say, (laughs) Christian independence, they would be described derisively as old white men, angry old white men. But because they're Democrats, one is officially socialist and the other is unofficially, (laughs) they... They managed to avoid that scourge of being condemned as being old, angry old white men. Uh, it is too funny. But here the Democrat Party was sure with this huge number of candidates. And I mentioned on that before concerning how many Democrat candidates there actually were. I mean, all of these Oh, that were just, I I don't know, uh, something to tell their grandkids. So they were candidates. It was some number like 4,000 to 5,000, something spectacular like that. But of the serious candidates or of those who would be taken quasi-seriously, it was, of course, a much smaller number, merely a couple dozen plus. But, and now it's been pared down to... You know, for all intents and purposes, a half dozen plus. But right now, it is supposed to be a dead heat leaning towards Bernie, but a dead heat between independent socialist Bernie Sanders and Democrat Joe Biden. Two angry old white men vying for the Democrat nomination that are supposed to be running head-to-head there in the Iowa caucus, according to the pre-caucus polls. Meanwhile, American Indian United States Senator from Massachusetts, Elizabeth Warren, and Minnesota United States Senator Amy Klobuchar, and then Pete Buttigieg, 
mayor of South Bend, Indiana, sodomite, who has a hubby. Yes, it's also precious, but they are within stone's throw of the leaders. Very exciting. I, I mean, really, the Democrat voters should be so excited about this. What a sterling group of candidates they have to choose from. Any one of them is going to be manifestly more disastrously bad for the United States of America than corrupt Donald Trump. (laughs) But in my humble opinion, but anyway, just, just too exciting. All of these great things that are going on. The Iowa caucuses this evening and the State of the Union address tomorrow night and then the vote in the U.S. Senate for conviction or acquittal of President Donald Trump on these couple charges. Yes, it's, it is exciting. The charges being abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. But the State of the Union address, always love those. <laughs> yes, when, when these various political aspirants are running for the presidency, they, of course, no matter which party, and that's not just the two major parties, but independent parties and so forth, they are more than willing to speak about problems besetting the United States of America and imagined problems and supposedly grave problems which, of course, managed to overshadow the real problems, the devastating problems, the horrendous problems. But they speak of these things. They do their stump speeches so excitingly, you know, with great fervor. And then then they become president, one of them. And they deliver their State of the Union address, and all is well in America. All is well. Peace and prosperity abound. (laughs) This is the greatest nation, and on it goes. It's just, these people are so two-faced. When's the last time we had an exception to that? When's the last time? Can you think of one? Ronald Reagan is the only name that comes to mind for me. And he took entirely too rosy a view of things, frankly, more often than not. But he's the only one that comes to mind. But in any case, it will be exciting to learn what the State of the Union is. (laughs) That it is not depraved, so depraved, that that an openly proud sodomite who claims that his sodomite of the month is his hubby, oh dear, not of the month, but of the year, and so on and so forth, and that these two sodomites, they get to adopt children. That's the way it is in the United States of America. That's how depraved, perverse, vile, lewd, horrendous it is. How obscene it is in the United States of America. Not merely in the United States of America, in the West. But we are leading the way in vileness here with this, but with this development. Oh, Democrat Party, you should just, you should be so proud. So terribly proud Yes, the sodomite pride movement. It is just too exciting. Meanwhile, dear Joe, poor old Joe. Is it all right to call Joseph Biden poor old Joe? Oh, really, poor old Joe. He is, courtesy of his campaign team, 
he is now no longer apparently running against Donald Trump, per se, nor against the rest of the Democrat presidential candidate field that remains, you know, a half dozen plus, but he is narrowly focused on opposing U.S. Senator from Vermont, independent socialist, fellow angry old white man, Bernie Sanders. And he's making it out, his campaign is making it out that it's a choice between those two. It's down to those two. It's one or the other. And it can't be Bernie. It has to be Joe. (laughs) As Representative Tim Ryan, an Ohio Democrat, stated, quote, we cannot nominate Bernie. If he's the nominee, it's a disaster. Socialism is not popular and would sink us, end quote. And yet, the dirty little lie here is that the Democrat Party is socialist. It's just a matter of degree here. That's all. It's only a matter of degree of difference. But the Democrat Party is socialist. And what is socialism, really? You know, isn't it a benevolent, beneficent sort of a thing? You know, political persuasion, ideology, dare I say. Isn't it really peaceful, benevolent, beneficent socialism? You know, after all, the U.K., for all intents and purposes, it is socialist. It is a socialist nation, as is Canada, Australia, the rest of the British Commonwealth, France, Germany, Italy, just say Europe, the continent, Scandinavia, and so forth. And let's not leave out Israel. Absolutely socialist. Well, what's wrong with that? I mean, here we have all of these wonderful places that are socialist. Well, socialism just happens to be notorious as being the core foundation breeding ground of its two most notorious, infamous branches, communism and fascism. That is socialism to the nth degree. Those two. Oh, but no, this is a kinder, gentler form of socialism. Dare I say weaker form. That's all it is. It's a weaker form of socialism. But by all means, let's let's have socialism. We already have socialism in the United States of America. But, Let's just, you know, have a greater degree of socialism, right? Because we're getting pushed that way. If Joe is elected, it will be increased. If Elizabeth is, if Amy is, if Petey is. But if Bernie is, well, it will be even more so. That's all. It's just a matter of degree. Meanwhile, (laughs) In the interest of truth and so forth, which these people are (laughs) immune to the truth. Exceedingly intellectually dishonest. But the Washington Post, famous newspaper, some would say rag, not I. It is a famous newspaper a famous media company. And I do have regard for some of those who work for the Washington Post and have worked for the Washington Post in the past. But I saw a story 
by a woman reporter whose name causes me to think that she is German Jew. I could be mistaken, but that's, that's what the name bespeaks. And lo and behold, she was describing a, <laughs> a fellow who... Let me see what his name is. If I can find this fine fellow's name. Let's see. Nope, that's not it. But his name is Abdirizak Wehilia or something like that. Something like that. But uh, he's Somali and he was under investigation for ties to a certain group. Perhaps you've heard of this group. If you've listened to this program for any length of time, you've heard of this group. Al-Shabaab. It is an Islamist terrorist African group. A black Islamist terrorist group. Not that they don't have Arab Islamists in there too, but notably black and responsible for monstrous, heinous, murderous terrorist attacks in Kenya and Somalia and so forth. But, you know, Ethiopia, Eritrea, and and what have you. But Al-Shabaab. So we're talking about Northeast Africa as compared to differentiated from Boko Haram on the West Coast, which again is black Islamist terrorist group that has committed monstrous, heinous terrorist attacks focusing on annihilating Christians and heavily committing these in Nigeria and also the immediately surrounding nations. But these two groups are absolutely, positively Islamist. Okay, there's no question of that. They are (laughs) allies of Al-Qaeda, and they are absolutely Islamist. There's never been any question of that. But curiously enough, in this story, including, you know, from the, from the title of it or the headline, if you prefer, all the way through the story, even though there is mention of this, of a terrorist attack or potential terrorist attack, There is mention of Al-Shabaab twice in addition to that. Nowhere is there a single solitary mention that it is an Islamist terrorist group. Nor is there mention that it is a black Islamist terrorist group. But of course, I mean, Somalia, we know where Somalia is and what the Somali people are because they haven't been integrated, you know, with with white, with Caucasian, with European. So we know, but uh, nor with Arab. But I just find it fascinating that this kind of slop can be put out there as far as stories. When I say slop, I mean that with reference to this, that it is deliberately, premeditatedly deceptive, deceitful, and dishonest. And it is, again, Washington Post playing footsie with the Islamists. This goes all the way back. This is a time-honored tradition that goes all the way back to Yasser Arafat as evil a terrorist, Islamist monster as there has ever been on the face of the earth 
other than his idol, the false prophet Muhammad. But an absolute monstrous, torturous murderer who slaughtered babies in front of their parents and so on and so forth, just (laughs) torturously and heinously, just committed unspeakable evil. And, of course, won the Nobel Peace Prize, yes. But the Washington Post and other Western media outlets and famed newspapers and so forth were terrorized into, cowed into, playing nice with Yasser Arafat and the PLO, so-called Palestinian Liberation Organization. How were they cowed into that? Oh, by having a bureau chief kidnapped, tortured, and murdered. And how did they respond? (laughs) By saying, yes, sir, How high do you want us to jump, sir, essentially? Just outstanding stuff. But before I go any further, let me say this. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and true and good in this program, meaning these programs, After All is Said and Done, are thanks to God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ, And whatever is lacking, erring, deficient, that is due to me. That is on me. That is my fault. But perhaps you saw about the anniversary, the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the death camp Auschwitz-Birkenau which was in Poland and was liberated by the Red Army. Well, more than 200 survivors of that death camp, they gathered for this memorial just a week ago. In fact, the same day that that little boy, Gannon Stouch, or something like that, disappeared. But the number of survivors is slipping away. Those who have survived this monstrous evil They are becoming fewer and fewer, and it was stated that this might be the last gathering. This well might be the last gathering. And they gathered in front of the entrance to Birkenau, which is known as the Gate of Death. And that's where these train cars, cattle cars, Back then, 75 years ago, they would arrive to deposit, drop off, leave off Jewish prisoners. And they would be taken into the gas chambers, and then their bodies were turned to ashes in crematoriums, in massive crematoriums. And yet, of course, there are people in this world, a great many Muslims, (laughs) who deny the reality of the Holocaust. Some of them are just duped. You know, many of them, they believe the lies of their great leaders, this imam and that imam and this cleric and that cleric and all of these others. And others of them, they know better, but they still claim these things, as do as is the case with these imams and clerics. But 
I never fail to be horrified and perplexed at the acceptance, the ready acceptance and popularity of cremation for people that die in the United States of America. How is it possible that that is not an absolute abomination? How is it possible? People are just so stupendously, willfully ignorant of the past and of the evil of that, that they can embrace this, accept this as being a positive thing, incredibly. Yes, it's cheaper than traditional burials. That isn't a good reason for it. It's something that is used to destroy the bodies of people that have been murdered, that are not known to have been murdered, to keep it from becoming known. I understand these destroyers <laughs> cremating those that they have destroyed. I understand that. <laughs> That's the same way with dear old Adolf. But for respectable people, for halfway decent people, halfway honorable people, To accept this is just, to me, unimaginable and downright evil. And for any that claim to believe in God, to believe in Jesus Christ, to worship God, to worship Jesus Christ, to have anything to do with this, to me, is an outrage. An utter abomination. But, you know, I'm just sensitive about these things, I suppose. Meanwhile, speaking of the glories of the socialist Nazis. Yes, socialist Nazis. How about some other socialists? That is, of the same stripe, fascists, but Islamo-fascists, not neo-Nazi fascists, but Islamo-fascists, which is what Islam is. It is Islamo-fascism, or socialist, you could say. But perhaps you recall There were a couple terrible but limited, thankfully, attacks committed by Islamists in the United States of America. And then there was this one that was by people who were described in a very different way, but who were hell-bent on slaughtering Jews. But anyway... You recall, no doubt, this Islamist terrorist attack that was committed at Pensacola Naval Air Station back in December. December 6th, I believe. I believe so. But, yes, December 6th, 2019. And the coverage, you know, the truthful coverage in the media... It described the Islamist who committed this attack and who was killed, finally, by a sheriff's deputy engaged in a gun battle in which two deputies were wounded. Eight people in total were wounded. But they described that Islamist terrorist as the suspect. Don't you just love it when they do that? Huh? They cannot, they cannot speak the truth because of these Marquis of Queensbury, these new 
updated, modern Marquis of Queensbury rules that prohibit speaking the truth. But the suspect, you know, he was a member of the Saudi Air Force. He'd been in the United States off and on since 2017, courtesy of the United States of America. It's just just a wonderful thing. But when Sheriff said, quote, you just don't expect this, end quote. No, well, obviously he didn't. He didn't expect this. I do expect this (laughs) from Islamists who are hell-bent on destroying Christianity and Jewry and the West and former Christendom. I do expect this, but this well-meaning sheriff, you just don't expect this. Yes, it's that kind of ignorance that is really dangerous, but tremendous. Meanwhile, this fellow who committed this, it was actually described as being an occurrence of workplace violence. That's right. Instead of Islamist terror attack, workplace violence. Yes. Committed by Second Lieutenant Mohammed Saeed Al Shamrani, the suspect. He was training in aviation and he had been since 2017. Now, the statements by Matt Gates or Getz, U.S. representative who represents Pensacola and that district. He said he was convinced it was a terrorist act. Indeed, it was an Islamist terrorist attack, Matt. And he put the blame on a lapse in federal vetting of foreign trainees. Well, that's better than these others. (laughs) Okay. And he stated, quote, we can safely call this an act of terrorism, not an act of workplace violence. End quote. Hear, hear. Well, the Pensacola Naval Air Station Pensacola, Florida. It is where graduates of the United States Naval Academy that are in training to become fighter pilots for the Navy, where they are trained. Also, those who are choosing not to enter the Navy but to enter the Marine Corps who are graduates of the United States Naval Academy and choosing to become Marine fighter pilots where they are trained. And I knew that going back a long time because I intended to go there following the Naval Academy. But that was my intention for many moons when I was young. But... Lo and behold, I had no idea that that place in particular, that that base specifically was hosting a couple hundred foreign students every year. (laughs) A couple hundred. Hmm, I wonder where they're coming from. Well, try the Islamist most favored nations, all right, and others. But it's just great stuff. The way the United States of America functions, operates, conducts itself. And that was the second shooting attack at a Navy base that week. 
The other one took place at the Joint Base Pearl Harbor, Hickam, in Oahu, Hawaii. But just magnificent. But what about this wonderful second lieutenant from Saudi Arabia? He murdered three sailors in a classroom. And he hosted a dinner party the night before in which he showed mass murder videos to three Saudi friends. He also quoted Osama bin Laden, and he spewed out all manner of death to U.S. such sentiments on Twitter just before the attack. Good for the United States of America for training this young man, hey? Really? Yes. Well, he murdered a 19-year-old, a 23-year-old, a 21-year-old, an airman, an ensign, and an airman apprentice. Interestingly, the 19-year-old airman's name is Muhammad Sameh Hathaim. The 23-year-old ensign Joshua Caleb Watson and the 21-year-old airman apprentice Cameron Scott Walters. He only succeeded in wounding eight others that took place in the fight with him. And he had obtained his firearm legally by first obtaining, I believe it was a hunting license. (laughs) in Florida, which then allowed him to purchase a firearm. Incredible, crazy laws. But, yes, while he committed the attack, what were his three Saudi buddies doing who were also trainees? All trainees. What were they doing? Well, one of them was filming the building in which the classroom was where he committed this murder attack, this terrorist attack, this Islamist terrorist attack. And the two other Saudi trainees, they looked on (laughs) from a car nearby. Yes. Now, the Pentagon stated that several of his friends were filming the incident. Great stuff. But again, this United States representative, Matt Getz or Gates, whichever it is, who stated that he blamed a failure in the vetting by the federal government. Again, I take sharp issue with that. Why would I? Well, it goes like this is that, for me, the problem is not the vetting. The problem is the program. There should be no such program, period. This is a quid pro quo that is provided to dear old Islamist regime Saudi Arabia that is directly involved with our sale of the most high-tech, cutting-edge weaponry to Saudi Arabia, to Islamist regime Saudi Arabia, which should be banned. We have built up Saudi Arabia to be more powerful than Israel, and we have trained their pilots. And shame on us, and I do mean shame, as in everlasting shame. But this is courtesy of the likes of dear old Bill Clinton, Hillary Rodham Clinton, Barack Hussein Obama, George W. Bush. Donald Trump hasn't put an end to it. 
and it will continue on with any of the Democrats, whether they be softer core socialists or harder core socialists. But, meanwhile, there was this other terrorist attack targeting Jews, which happened at almost the same time, not December 6th, but December 10th, I believe. And this took place not in Florida, but in New Jersey, in Jersey City, New Jersey. It began with a police detective investigating a so-called homicide, a murder. And he made the mistake of approaching a van in which there was a black man and a black woman that were suspicious that they thought were involved with this. And as he approached the vehicle, one of them opened fire on him, murdering him. And then they fled, and they... (laughs) covered a lot of ground and shot things up, and they wound up at a nearby kosher deli. Delicatessen. They barricaded themselves in. They murdered the people there. And they fired with high-powered rifles upon the police who responded. The police officers, this gun battle, lasted for hours. The officers were under fire for hours. And the reporting on this, it varied remarkably. I mean, the different stories that, no, this was not targeting Jews. They just, you know, chose that place, you know, to defend themselves from the evil police from and so forth. When in point of fact, it came out that they had expressly targeted that Jewish deli. And the most remarkable twist about this, though, these two, David Anderson, 47, Francine Graham, 50, that it turned out that they were involved with an organization known as the Black Hebrew Israelite Movement. Well, (laughs) that is just extraordinary, isn't it? And this is a network that includes a black supremacist wing. Includes, that's what the official verbiage is, includes a black supremacist wing. The whole thing is a black supremacist movement. But it is anything but Hebrew. And here they were targeting Orthodox Jews for destruction. These wonderful people. Black lives matter, you know, more than everybody else. But... Everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? Don't we hear that continually? If you watch any, I don't know about network TV and feature films, but in the fair that I watch, I am hearing this all the time. Everything happens for a reason. So all of these monstrous, evil, heinous murders happened for a reason, including... The Holocaust happened for a reason. But everything happens for a reason, just like these other (laughs) truisms, so-called, that I will mention as time permits. They are all sentence fragments, not sentences. They are not complete thoughts. And that is deliberate because by having these truncated statements, they're able to be deceptive and to be seemingly saying one thing when it's saying something else. Everything happens for a reason. The connotation is everything happens for a good reason. Well, as God's Word 
states the evil hate the good and seek to destroy them. That isn't a good reason. Satan came only to steal and murder and destroy. That isn't a good reason. And all of the foolish people, regardless whether they have stars in their eyes and these romantic ideas and they're viewing things through rose-colored glasses, everything does not happen for a good reason. And it is colossal ignorance to imagine that it does and to deceive ourselves that it does. Another one is it's never too late. Oh, yes, it's never too late. It's never too late for what? It's never too late for the aborted babies? It's never too late for the girls and the young women that are kidnapped, raped, tortured, murdered, or kidnapped, raped, and trafficked, prostituted, or sold into sexual slavery to this one or that one or this gang or that gang. It's never too late for them, really. Oh, but it's never too late. Well, it may be never too late to die. It may be never too late to be damned, and so forth. It may be never too late to be taxed, but (laughs) this idea that it's never too late to, to what? To go to medical school? It's never too late to train for the Olympics, the regular Olympics, not some other type for seniors only or something. Never too late to train for the Olympics and to qualify for the Olympics and to compete in the Olympic Games. Really? Never too late? It's never too late to marry. Oh, these romantic pictures of a couple that are in their 90s and they're both in wheelchairs. They've been married before and whatever all else and they've met in a nursing home and they're getting married. Oh, that is just such a romantic picture. It's a lie, people. <laughs> but if we don't have the intellectual honesty to <laughs> be honest with ourselves about these things, then what hope is there that we will be honest concerning elections or law and justice or anything else? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.